I want to talk from Isaiah chapter 40. If you have your Bible, please, if you could just turn there with me now. Isaiah chapter 40. I'm reading from verse 28 all the way to verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40. It reads as follows. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and even to the weary, to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall fail and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. I think this is such an incredible text. Mostly in the light of where we are right now. Our God that we serve never gets weary, never gets tired. Not only that, he's also the same God who is able to give strength to those who get tired. I think the topic of being tired and needing strength is so central to what we are in right now. And so I want to talk on the subtitle, How to Deal with Battle Fatigue. When you've been involved in battle, in dealing with a situation for a very long time, you do get to a point where you can get tired. Our God, on the other hand, never gets tired, never gets weary. The God that we serve never grows weak or runs out of steam. On the contrary, as human beings, we've got to accept we do get tired. We do become weary. Being fatigued is simply a state of being weary and extremely tired, even to a point of complete exhaustion. Fatigue comes because of many reasons. And one of them is when we have been engaged in battle, in dealing with a situation for a long period, for a protracted period, when the battle sometimes also takes longer than what we anticipated. Like I mentioned earlier, we are now have been involved in fighting this battle for almost a hundred days or so. It's hundred and this is the 101th day since we have been in this battle. We are fighting an enemy who has no regard of social status, no regard of religious persuasion, no regard of economic status, no regard of race or gender. It's an enemy who is coming out to destroy the lives of people. Here we are, we are noting our frontline workers waking up every day, every morning, battling it out day and night. We are receiving reports of 
some being infected, they are being hospitalized, all kinds of things going on. And you and I also, we are playing our part in this battle. As individuals, we are battling out, we are doing our best to make sure we have social distancing, we are wearing our masks, we are practicing good hand hygiene, we are coughing into the, the, the clock of our elbow, we are doing all that is necessary. But this indeed is a long, drawn-out battle that we have been in just over a hundred days. And the reality is that because it's a battle that is drawn out, it can have certain effects. The truth is this. This battle will one day come to an end. It will finally come to an end or things will finally come under control. But for that to happen, we need to pull through. We need to make sure we are not tired. We are not weary. Very interesting. When you read about battles that have gone on or wars that have gone on in the history of the human race, there's a number of things that we become aware of. This is what the stats are showing us. In times of war, we are told that about 10% of the soldiers in combat, they develop what they call battle fatigue. We learn from history, if you read the history actually of World War II, there were about 10 million men who were accepted in the military service in the United States of America. And we are told in reading that out of that number, 1.363 million of them were given medical discharge finally. And approximately 39% of those, which is about 530,000 of them who were discharged, we are told that they had neuropsychiatric disorders. They were affected by the war. They were affected by what they were going into. They were affected by this protracted period where they had to battle in and out, day in and day out. And then finally, many of them had to be brought back home. And so this is one of the things that happens in times of warfare, that in times of conflict, in times of warfare, we see people get it to that point where they can't go on anymore. I don't know like you, maybe you are like me, but I mean, we are hearing left, right, and center. This side, this one has passed. This one is sick. This one is hospitalized. This is happening. This is happening. Every day you wake up, you are just bombarded with all these things. And I can tell you something, if we don't have a way of knowing how to be sustained in a time like this, we will fall prey to battle fatigue. This is a similar pattern, in fact, when you even look in the church community, when you see people who have served God and have labored in the things of God, getting tired and experiencing battle fatigue. Actually, research is showing us that almost one third of church members will finally leave the church for various reasons. People who start out serving God will finally, in the process of it, leave everything. And I want to speak to you this morning. If it is that you are on that verge of giving up, you want to throw in the towel. The Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, it says that we shouldn't become weary 
in well-doing. Even in Galatians chapter 6, it tells us not to become weary in well-doing. See, times of protracted battle can leave many of us fatigued and exhausted. And we may even get to a point where we say to somebody, just leave me alone. Leave me alone to throw caution to the wind. Leave me alone. I don't want to, I don't want to practice social distancing anymore. I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to do anything. Just leave me alone. We may even get to a point where all we want is just peace. No more fighting. No more battling. No more precautions. No more confusion. We just get to a point where we just want peace. And so you see certain symptoms of battle fatigue. Symptoms, common symptoms like what we find in the combat troops. We are told that as we saw with the World War II as other instances when soldiers have gone into combat, they start experiencing symptoms like dejection, where people just feel dejected, or weariness, or people become hypersensitive, or sleep disturbances, even tremors. And we can get to that point where we just have these feelings on the inside of him ourselves. We are told that even the personnel in the army, they start experiencing symptoms like anxiety, and uh, which is also accompanied with dejection and depression. What about phobias to what combat missions, people being irritable, tensions, people get startled. And you know, it could be that you are in that point where you are just hanging in there just by, by, by the thread and you are just so tense and you don't know what else is going to come your way. I want you to know today, God is aware of you. God is aware of how you feel. You are not a victim. You don't need to let the emotions take the better of you. You can be able to deal with battle fatigue. That's why I'm preaching the word of the Lord to you this morning. That's why we've prayed. That's why we, we've worshipped God. I want you to know God is aware of who you are. The Bible tells us in the book of Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, this is a scripture where Paul is writing to a young man by the name of Timothy. And he draws the comparison of our Christian walk to us being like soldiers. He uses that analogy to say, even you, you are just like a soldier. And this is what he says to young Timothy. He says, you therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We need to endure hardship as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And then he moves on. He says, no one engaged in warfare entangled himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. So as a soldier, you have to have a certain attitude about you. Here we are. We didn't volunteer to be soldiers. The condition has volunteered us to be soldiers. We were thrown in the middle of a battle that we didn't plan for. We didn't necessarily sign on to be conscripted. But the truth is we are dealing with this battle. And because you are a soldier, the Bible says you need to endure hardship. God is telling us 
Our walk will not necessarily be easy. Hardships will come. But that he says we must endure hardships, it means we will be able to go to the other side. We are going to be able to defeat these hardships and go to the other side. The Bible tells us we are just trying our best to please our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 6, verse 12 of 1 Timothy, Paul writes further, and he shows us that in this fight, in this battle, in this combat, what is the attitude that we must have? As we enter into this combat, what is it that we must do? This is what he says. He says, fight the good fight of faith. He says, it's a fight of faith. As you fight in this fight, have faith and fight a good fight. In other words, fight to win. So in other words, we must know how to do this battle and make sure that we pull through. God is there to help us and to make sure that we move on. And then later on, in 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says to Timothy, wait the good warfare. So he's saying, you know what? Life is warfare, and we need to move on and make sure that we don't become a battle casualty. Make sure you don't get to that point where you have battle fatigue and we become a victim. No one of us, none of us, wants to become a victim. We all want to battle on and move on to the other side. But the question is this, how then can we avoid battle fatigue? How do we make sure that we stay on in this combat until we come out on the other side? I wish for us to draw lessons from how soldiers engage in battle and how they get into battle with the mindset that we are going to go into this until we win. I believe these lessons will help you and I to be able to go into this battle. The question is, how do we help one another go through this? How can we, what can we do to prevent ourselves from falling victims or from becoming casualties? The first things that we are told that soldiers do is to have clarity and the acceptability of the war goals. In other words, when soldiers enter into battle, there is no doubt in their mind who their enemy is and why the battle is there. In other words, we enter into this battle knowing fully well who our enemy is. Our enemy before now is COVID-19. That's our enemy. We realize that's our enemy. But also we realize that our well-being is at stake. If we don't put up a fight and take the necessary precautions, then we will fall prey. So as soldiers, we know that if we know why the war is there, our morale will be high. But we know in history, when soldiers went into warfare and they didn't know what the warfare was about, they couldn't clarify this question. They were half-hearted in their fighting. So it is important for us to understand that we know what our enemy is, who our enemy is, and we know that if we don't put up a fight, our welfare is at stake. See, if we don't take the precautions, we put our families at risk. 
If we don't do what is right, we put our societies at risk. If we don't take the precautions, then we, uh, we make sure that the enemy can just do whatever he wants. So it's important. We are told that in general, when it comes to soldiers, the more concretely and realistically they have war goals and the more they can integrate them into their values, then they are able to stay on the upbeat all the time. In other words, in the war, it becomes very important for them to move on and to support each other. So time and again, when people have felt strongly about the rightness of their cause, it becomes vital and important for them to show bravery. So you and I, we need to show bravery because if we retreat, if we don't do what is right, then we put our families at risk. We need to take the responsibility that we are going into this battle to save lives. We are taking responsibility as individuals and we are going to contribute to the total well-being of all of us. In other words, if this battle is going to be won, I am going to play my role. So how do we play our roles? We play our roles by putting short-term goals in place. Every day when we wake up, we need to ask ourselves this question. Today as I wake up, in the light of this warfare, in the light of this battle, in the light of what's going on, what is it that I need to do today that will help me advance the warfare and move it forward? So, because it's a proven fact that in actual combat, short-term goals provide an impetus for soldiers to carry on. Remember, this is a drawn-out battle. It's going to go on for a long time. And if we do not put goals every day that we can achieve so that when we achieve those goals, we can rise again with strength and power, we may give up on the way. Let me quote. This is what they say, and I quote, The pursuit of short-range military objectives appears in general, and it causes less stress than the pursuit of long-range ones. In other words, if every day we have smaller yana goals that we put for ourselves to say, today I'm going to make sure as I wake up, I do all the necessary things that are going to be done. I'm going to wear my mask. I'm going to practice social distancing. I'm going to wash my hands. If I ever go out in public, I'm going to take all the precautions. When I come back, I'm going to make sure that I sanitize. I do all that. If that's what we do every day and that's all we do on a daily basis, every day as we are able to achieve those goals, it gives us an impetus to move on the following day. So if we can only put goals for today and be faithful in achieving those goals, what will happen? It will help us tackle the need or the desire to give up. It will help us tackle our weakness or the habit of timing out. We get to that point where we don't time out, we don't give up, we don't become battle fatigued. You can pick up again, my sister, my brother. You can go back to the good practices, to the disciplines that are necessary, to obeying the protocols and say, at least today, I'm going to do it right. The second thing that we learn that soldiers do is when they support one another, 
through a system called the body system. Let me explain to you. The body system is when individuals are encouraged to develop personal relationships with another member of their unit so that that person can provide emotional support. If there's a time where we really need to connect with one another, it is now. We can phone each other. We can connect together. You know, for me, it's been such an encouraging thing as we have led prayer in the morning at 5 o'clock. We have seen people join in. The numbers increase. And what has been the most exciting thing for me is to see us all join in from different denominations, different churches. We've got people who are pastors, business people, politicians, people from all sectors of society. We have people joining us even from other parts of the world. And you know, during that prayer, sometimes people communicate and talk to each other and they give one another support. This one comes and says, you know, my mom was admitted yesterday. They were diagnosed as being positive. The other people say, we'll pray for them. And then, and then later on, after two, three days or a week, somebody gets back to us and said, no, they are better now. And you can just see people are there for one another. You know, my friend, when you're all alone, it's going to be so difficult for you. Connect with people. This is not time for us to be emphasizing and amplifying our differences. Yes, we may come from different backgrounds. Even as church people, you know, we may have different emphasis that we have in our churches, different ways of doing things. But see, this is not the time for us to amplify on our differences. This is a time for us to come into that body system. None of us at this time should be an island. Because when you are all alone, and when you are an island, I'm telling you, you will get battle fatigue. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to verse 12. This is how it reads. It says, two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. That is so true. Two are always better than one. See, when you connect with people, you can be able sometimes to face situations that otherwise you couldn't be able to face by yourself. So connect with people. This is not time for us as families to be at one another's throats and to be having tensions and fightings. My goodness, we need one another. This is not that time as communities where we ought to be having strife and jealousy. This is not the time for that. This is the time when we need a body system. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Verse 3 and 4, Paul says something that's amazing. He says, you know, God comforts us and encourages us in all trials so that we ourselves should be able to encourage other people with the same comfort with which we have been comforted. So what Paul is saying is this, I and you, we can be able to lift up the other person when we share with them our journey our pain, what we went through, and show them how we were able 
to get to the other side. Simply put, we need each other. We need one another. We need to help one another in this time of warfare. We will be able to go to the other side when we join together in unity, in harmony, in oneness, so that we don't experience battle fatigue. The third thing that we learn from the soldiers is this, that one of the factors that aided combat soldiers in dealing with fatigue is what they call group identification. I'll explain what, I, what, I'm, what it means. It's been found particularly important to maintain group identity in combat troops. In other words, the soldiers, the soldier who is unable to identify themselves or take pride in their group, they lack the feeling of wellness. And they also feel that they are not supported. And when you don't feel supported, it becomes difficult for you to have what they call stress tolerance. In other words, if anybody is isolated and they stand alone, psychologically isolated, they're isolated through support, then they get to a point where they have com combat stress. In fact, the more there's a sense of group, group identification, the less chance that the soldier will crack up during times of combat. You know, when the fight and the war has been protracted, people get to a point where they literally fall apart. Just from nowhere. People start feeling overwhelmed. They start feeling fatigued. I was listening this week to some of the reports that they're given. You know, people are really feeling the pain. Even yesterday, I watched on some of the news, they interviewed people on the streets, how they were feeling. There was this one guy and... We, we laughed so hard at home. And he was saying, hey, could you luckily one, man? And I enjoy your coffee too, you only one, only a single guy. And you can see, you know, the brother is falling apart. But, you know, it's so difficult when you are all isolated and you are all by yourself. Why am I raising this? It's important for us, sisters and brothers, to give support to people in our communities who may have been diagnosed as being positive from the COVID-19 virus. It's said in our communities today that when we find out that there's somebody who's positive, people ostracize them and they are treated so badly. You know, when we isolate somebody, we leave them to the, to the goodness of the elements. In other words, we sort of leave them to the mercy of whatever is coming out there. But when people feel that they are supported, I know when people are not well, if they have the virus, of course we have to keep ourselves safe and whatever. But we can give them moral support. We can call them. We can pray for them. And even after they have they've been cured and they've been cleared, we need to relate with them. We need to talk with them. Let's make sure that nobody in our communities is marginalized. Nobody is discriminated against. We need the support of others. We need to give love. We need to give prayers. We need to give support. We mustn't ostracize anybody because that's what we are called for. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, the Bible tells us we need to bear one another's burdens. 
So in that way will fulfill the law of Christ. The New Living Translation says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Number four, and as we conclude, I want us to go back to the text that we read. It says about God, he gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even those, even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. In other words, if we learn to wait upon the Lord, you and I will not get to that point where we experience this battle fatigue. That word wait in the Bible is a very interesting word. What it means is this. It means to bind together perhaps by twisting. That is to expect, to gather, to look patiently. It means to tarry and to wait. What it actually means is this. There is something that happens to us when we wait on the Lord. When we wait on the Lord, it is almost like there is a twisting together that happens. There's a binding together that happens. In other words, when we wait upon the Lord, God intertwines himself with us so that what's in God gets transferred to us. The strength he has gets transferred to us because we as human beings, we do get tired. We as human beings, we become fatigued. Even young people, even the young ones, they do get tired. But the God that we serve never gets tired, never gets weary. But the issue is for us to learn to wait upon the Lord. Waiting upon the Lord speaks of us spending quality time in his presence, in prayer, in reading God's word. Then when we do that, we are waiting upon the Lord. I would really suggest that you take your prayer time very seriously in these times. Every morning when you wake up or whatever time, spend quality time in the presence of the Lord. There is nothing that can sustain us more than the power of God in times like this. In times of uncertainty, in times when things seem to be falling apart, there is only one we can rely on and that is called God Almighty. In Mark chapter 1 verse 35, we see how Jesus rose up early in the morning and the Bible says, a great while before it was day, the Bible says he departed into a solitary place and there he prayed. That word solitary means it's a lonesome place, a desert place, a desert lake place. It's a wilderness. It gives the idea of you taking responsibility for your life as an individual to say, I'm going to spend time with God. So I'm going to suggest these following things as you wait upon the Lord on a daily basis. The first thing you do, take time to pray regularly. Pray in the presence of God. Number two, take God's word and read that word so that you feed on it. Or you can listen to a podcast, listen to a sermon. Number three, take time to think about what you have read that day, to meditate on it. Number four, 
Use what you have learned as a guide for you that day and practice what it says. Number five, as you spend time in the presence of God, write down the lessons that you learn. Write down as you read the word, what is it that you are learning? What is it that God is imparting into your spirit? And then number six, continue praying and pray until the end of that time that you spend in the presence of God. Number seven, all day long, remind yourself of the scripture that you read. Keep saying it with your mouth. Keep thinking about it in your mind. Keep rehearsing it again and again. And number eight, whatever you learn in the word of God, be a doer of that word. You see, God is able to help you and me to go through this time of battle fatigue for as long as we wait upon him. He is able to lift up our hands. He's able to move us on. He's able to anoint us and strengthen us. Why? Because his power is greater than our weakness. When everything else in the world runs out of steam and power, God never gets tired. And God wants to impart that strength into your life. But the question is, will you learn to wait upon him in a time of prayer, reading his word? And as you do, you intertwine yourself with his presence. He's able to raise you up, lift you up, fill you with strength, power, and anointing because that's the kind of God he is. I'm going to ask you right now, as you've been listening to the word of God, I'd like to call upon you. Maybe you want for me to pray with you right now to receive Christ into your life as the Savior and the Lord of your life. You know, God is waiting to receive you into his arms for you to become his child, for him to change you and make you his child. Will you join me in this prayer as we pray together? Father, I bring this, your child, to you this morning as they invite Jesus Christ into their lives. I thank you that you are able to change them and make them to be your very own child in Jesus' name. Amen.